You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Friends, good morning. My name is Greg Ribal, and I'm an evangelist in Kingston, Jamaica. I'm delighted to deliver the message to you this morning, and it is a special honor. And why is that so? Because it's a combined service for all the churches in the Caribbean that are part of the International Churches of Christ, and as well the Metro LA region of the International Churches of Christ. The Metro LA region has now joined a growing list of churches that support the work in the Caribbean, and we are delighted to have you on board, and thank you so much for your generosity and for your concern for the brothers and sisters and for the work of the Caribbean. The leaders of the church in the Metro LA region are Robert and Michelle Carrillo. They're no strangers to the work in the Caribbean. They actually led a ministry in Kingston, Jamaica, when I was a young Christian in 1992. To familiarize brothers and sisters in Los Angeles with the churches in the Caribbean, here is a map of the Caribbean, and these are the countries in which we have churches, uh, the International Church of Christ of Churches. Here is Jamaica. This is where I live. And then there's the Bahamas. There is Haiti. There's the Dominican Republic. There is Puerto Rico. There is the U.S. Virgin Islands, the British Virgin Islands, St. Kitts, Barbados, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Grenada, Trinidad and Tobago, Ghana, and Suriname. And you will see that the churches in Ghana, Suriname, and Bahamas are a little bit outside of the Caribbean. The Bahamas is in the Atlantic Ocean, and the Ghana and Suriname are in the top part of South America. But we, relationally, we form the churches for the International Church of Christ in the Caribbean. We are a pretty close group. In fact, just recently, we celebrated our wedding on January 30 between a son of Jamaica and a daughter of Ghana. Joseph Kelly, who is a son of disciples in Jamaica, married Kishona Mathurin, who is a daughter of disciples in Ghana. Today, we'll be reading about two people who had Jesus over at their house to entertain him. And we're going to make some observations from this very important interaction on, uh, that Jesus had on his journey to Jerusalem. And we're going to read in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 40, about the time that Martha opened her home to Jesus. It says in verse 38, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In those days, it is very likely that Martha would have had servants in the kitchen, helping to make the preparations. 
So Martha truly did not need to be in the kitchen per se, and neither did Mary. Furthermore, the guest had already arrived. If everyone was in the kitchen, who would stop to entertain Jesus? Consider this as well. In Luke chapter 9 verse 22, Jesus had already predicted that he was going to die, that he was going to Jerusalem to suffer and be crucified. Now, if you knew you were going to die, what would you want to do? How would you spend your time? Wouldn't you want to spend time with the people who you love? I'm sure that was on Jesus' mind and heart. And what he really wanted clearly was to spend time with Martha and Mary. But I want you to imagine Martha in the kitchen, trying to get Mary's attention. Maybe she was clanging some plates or clanging some utensils together or speaking at the top of her voice or sounding frantic, but Mary would not budge. And Martha grew more resentful, but not towards Mary, towards Jesus, because she turns her ire towards Jesus and says, don't you care? Don't you care? She has made a judgment that Jesus did not care. Says, so tell her to come and help me. She's not saying to Mary, come and help me. She's telling Jesus. She has probably concluded that Jesus is being inconsiderate. You know, this is what happens to many people who have made an assumption about what God expects of them. But Jesus gave a brilliant answer. In fact, the title of the sermon is Jesus has the answer. He gave an amazing answer that showed incredible wisdom. There's wisdom not only in the answer, but how long he took to give it. Let's talk about that. Jesus showed incredible wisdom, not only in the answer he gave, but the time in which he took to give it. Jesus probably did know that Martha was feeling what she did, because he had the ability to know people's thoughts. But he doesn't tell her until she asks a question, and Jesus had the answer for her. Jesus doesn't impose his will on Martha. He doesn't impose his viewpoint. He did have a viewpoint on the matter. He said that Mary chose what was better. But he does not tell Martha until she has asked the question. God never does impose himself upon us. He appeals to our hearts. You know, people need freedom to choose. Yes, even to choose Christ. I have two children. Well, they're not really children anymore. My daughter is about to turn 21 and my son is about to turn 18. And I can tell you that when they were younger, there's a type of parenting that I was expected to give and that I did give where I would basically nurture them and tell them what they needed to do, how they need to behave. But as they got older, I had to change the gears. And right now, I'm in fifth gear. I have to recognize that they have freedom to choose. And when I try to impose my opinion on them, it is very difficult for them. They go through such emotional hardship because it is not meant, people are not made to just uh, you know comply with what somebody says, that God gives us freedom. Even with Jesus, Jesus doesn't force us. He wants us to choose. He gives us freedom to choose. Where there is love, there is freedom. We must choose God on our own. And adolescents need the freedom to make their choices in life, even choices that might have consequences. 
if you consider the parable of the prodigal son, the father in that parable, who represents God, gave his son freedom to choose, even though he knew he was going to squander the wealth. But when he got him back, he got him back heart and soul. Jesus has the answer for your life, but Jesus is not in the business of imposing it on you. If you're not a Christian, Jesus does want you to become one, but he's not going to force you. You might be like Martha, you're doing all these different things, going here and there. And Jesus knows that there is a better life for you, but he's not going to impose it upon you. He wants you to come to him and he will show you the wisdom of becoming a Christian. So Jesus showed wisdom and tact in waiting until Martha was ready to hear what he had to say. But what he said is incredibly wise as well, not only the length of time that he took to say it. Martha, he didn't say was wrong. He said Mary chose what was better. He focused on the positive of Mary's choice, not the negative of Martha's. But he also didn't say it was right or wrong, black or white. He said it was an issue of good, better, best, that Mary had chosen what was better. And you would even say what is best. He appreciates Martha's service. He appreciates what she's doing. But what he would prefer was time with her. Because as I said, he was going to die. So many people are involved in ministry and get very busy in ministry. They are busy in their service, but they don't spend enough time with God. Jesus would rather you being still before God than busy in ministry. Now, I know that it's important to do ministry. I'm a minister of religion. But I can tell you that if I make myself busy in ministry and not spend time with Jesus, it's only a matter of time before I burn out. But if I spend time being still before the Lord, being still with Jesus, I can tell you that ministry will always be there, that I will find the energy from my relationship with God to serve people and to serve God. So I want to implore you, Friends, learn to spend time with Jesus and to prioritize that over everything else, even things that you deem as important. The first point I want to make is that people grow when they spend time with Jesus. When Jesus is asked, he has an answer. So if you spend time in prayer, you are going to get multiple answers for your questions. You will avoid mistakes if you ask. If you just merely ask the question, you will avoid mistakes in life. So spend time with Jesus. And I can tell you that, you know, Jesus gave a perspective to Martha that she never had before. She thought she was right. She thought that Mary should be in the kitchen helping, that this ought to be the case. And how could anyone see it any other way? And Jesus gave her a different perspective. When you spend time with Jesus, your perspective changes on many things, on life. And growth happens. You start to grow to see the world as Jesus sees the world. You start to grow to be like Jesus in his character and his nature. People grow when they spend time with Jesus. You look at Mary. Mary took on the posture of a student. It was a privilege for Mary. Usually there was a crowd around Jesus that was so thick 
and so large that it was difficult to get a front row seat. In fact, there was one time when some men had a paralytic and they wanted to get him to Jesus so he could be healed and they couldn't get through the crowd. So they dug through a roof and lowered the man to Jesus. In this instance, Mary did not have to try and go through a crowd or dig through a roof. But even when there was not a crowd around, the apostles had the rightful place at Jesus' feet. They were the chosen apostles. But now Jesus was at their house and Mary had that space all to herself. Even more, she was a woman and it was culturally inappropriate for Jesus to be so close to a woman, much more to have her as his disciple. Mary was in an incredibly rare privileged position to be at Jesus' feet to listen to what he had to say. She was not going to give up her spot for anything. Do you consider time with Jesus such a privilege? You know, in Ephesians 4 verse 10, it tells us, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Jesus, since he died, has filled the whole universe. Every single one of us right now can spend time with Jesus at the same time and yet all can still have that front row seat, have that privileged position with Jesus. Mary had that position then, but when she had that position, nobody else could have it. Now things have changed completely. Are you seeing this as a privilege for you to spend time with the Lord? We don't need to push through crowds. We don't need to dig through roofs. We don't need to wait until Jesus comes to visit our house as he did with Martha and Mary. We don't need to wait for the position in front of him to be vacated. We don't need to go back in time or go into the future. We don't need to ascend higher than the heavens where Jesus ascended in order to spend time with Jesus. We can spend time with him right now. And more than that, we can spend time with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing, friends? Now, why would we give up that position? Why wouldn't we take up that position at least every single day? Friends, I want to implore you to take advantage of this opportunity Jesus has given you to grow in your wisdom and your understanding and to grow in a perspective from Jesus. People grow when they spend time with Jesus. Now, because people grow when they spend time with Jesus, the person that I am today is not the person who I was 10 years ago. Growth has taken place over that period of time because I've spent time with Jesus. And the same for any Christian who devotes himself in prayer and in Bible study, that they are able to change and grow. Now, people who don't grow together grow apart. That is the second point. People who don't grow together grow apart. Martha and Mary saw the world through two different lenses and it created an argument. It created animosity. Now I want you to imagine if this was an everyday occurrence, what that household would have been like. People who see the world through different lenses have arguments all the time. Without a standard or a canon or a measure, those arguments will persist. At least Martha and Mary had Jesus, who they both respected, that they could look to for an answer. 
those who choose to follow Jesus will grow into the likeness of Jesus and everybody who is, has their eyes focused on Jesus will grow together. If one is not, uh, you know, growing as a Christian, or if one is growing, if one is growing as a Christian and growing in their perspective and growing more to be like Jesus and another person is not, then they are going to grow apart. Now, I want you to imagine if two such people are bound together. Look at this image of this tree tied to a post. Tree lovers will tell you that this is not a good idea. There's a tree that is tied to a post on one end and tied to something else, probably another post on the other end. And you can tell if these ropes were tied parallel to the ground that they now are pointing up, indicating that the tree has grown since it was tied. As the tree grows, that tree is going to get strangled. The rope, though it is made of plants, is dead and therefore will not grow and expand. The post, though it is taken from a tree, is also dead and will not grow. The tree, however, is alive and growing. Though now things seem to be fine, soon the posts will be holding back the tree and the rope will be strangling it and the tree will eventually die. A tree lover will seek to cut this rope, these ropes from around the tree before that happens. Now I want you to imagine how God feels about his children when they are tied onto or yoked to somebody who is not growing. How detrimental that can be to that person's growth and that person's spiritual life. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 5 it says, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is not working those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Everybody at one point was dead, spiritually. I was dead before I became a Christian. But when I became a Christian, I was alive in Christ by the mercy of God. When you are a Christian, you are alive in Christ. I received the Holy Spirit at baptism and I began to grow into the likeness of Christ. I began to grow. I wasn't when I was just baptized. I needed time to mature and grow. Now I view the world differently than I did back when I was not a Christian. Now I'm alive. I am different. I am a different person. If it was not because of Christ and not because of this change that God has brought in me, then my wife would have had a hard time whether or not she was a Christian because I know myself before as a Christian what I was like. And I can tell you it would have been difficult for her. And this is why God has set down certain things in the Bible. And if you're not a Christian and you are, you know, looking hopefully to get married in the future, I know that you're looking for certain qualities in the spouse that you're looking for. Before I was a Christian, believe it or not, but I was I decided that I wanted a good Christian wife. <laughs> now a good Christian wife wouldn't have wanted me <laughs> because I wasn't a Christian. So, you know, I understand more and more why God has set this rule down. It's not that he's trying to cramp his style 
or he's actually trying to take away your happiness and joy. He's trying to spare you pain. It is vital for us to understand that we are, first of all, married to Christ. We are bonded with Christ when we are baptized. That is the bond that Christ has. And we are going to be growing, growing into his image. And he wants to make sure that those who we bond with are also are Christians and growing in Christ. I want to talk to the married couples as well. I know that Mary and Martha were single women, but I want you to take a look at that relationship and understand that couples that don't grow together will grow apart. These are sisters who grew up in the same household. They come from the same family culture. And yet they had an argument over something that, you know, had a definite answer that Jesus had a definite answer for. Now, even more, when people get married, they're coming from different family cultures. How much more they need Jesus as a canon or the measure of what is right. Almost every couple that stands at that altar make vows that they mean. But people grow and people change. And if you're not on the same trajectory as your spouse, then you will drift apart. I'd like you to take a look at this video. These are two ships side by side, a small passenger ship and a cargo ship. They're embarking on a long journey. They appear to be pointing in the same direction, but a bird's eye view shows that they are pointed in slightly different directions. And the farther they go, you will see that the gap widens. Couples start off at the altar just like these ships started off their journey, side by side. A difference in direction can cause them to drift apart. They must adjust, as Martha and Mary would have adjusted after getting Jesus' answer. Else, they soon will find that they are in two different places. Married couples, I want to warn you that those differences that cause the arguments you need to find common ground and you need to go to Jesus to get the answers that you're looking for. Jesus has an answer to show you what is good, what is better and what is best and even right and wrong. There are some things that are so subtle it's hard to find the answer. But through prayer, through Bible study and through counsel, you will find the common ground that you're looking for. Staying pointed in the same direction requires an intentional effort on the part of married couples. When you get married, you have a different view of money and finances, raising children, how to relate to in-laws, how to spend time together at home. Many couples, when they get home, they just relax and there's no special effort. But realize that you see each other for about four or five hours in your waking day. You spend more time with co-workers than you do with your spouse. So you have to make sure that the time that you spend is of quality time or else drift will occur. The differences that married couples have may seem subtle at first and even cute, but they soon become glaring, then bothersome and soon will be intolerable. What could happen to our relationship if they are not finding common ground is what happened to these two ships. They ended up in two different places. Soon, they seem like strangers, two ships passing in the night. Couples that do not grow together 
will grow apart. So be intentional about resolving your conflicts, seeing eye to eye, and growing in Jesus. The final point is be satisfied with your status. Satisfied means contented or pleased. Mary could not have been more pleased with where she was at before Jesus. It did not matter if the food was ready. It didn't matter if it was ever going to be ready. What she cared about is that she got to spend time with Jesus. She could not have been more satisfied and pleased. It did not matter in that moment if she was single or married. In John 10 verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to give life to the full to everybody. Everybody who is a Christian, whether or not you are single or married, you have the opportunity to have life to the full. Jesus was a single man and he had life to the full. If he didn't have it, he couldn't offer it because he can only offer what he has. The source cannot give something that it doesn't have. So Jesus had life to the full. He came to give life to the full to every single person who is a Christian, every married person who is a Christian. We need to really appreciate the fact that no matter what status we have in life, we are at in life, that we can have life to the full. Married status is not a better status. It's just another status. All ought to feel as David felt when he wrote Psalm 16. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Every single person who is a Christian, everybody is a Christian, ought to feel that my boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Mary would have felt my boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Jesus has come to my house. He is in my living room. I'm sitting at his feet. I have a privileged position to be in front of Jesus. And every single person is a Christian. We have a privilege to be Christians. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. But I know that there's a mindset that we really need to be able to, to change. I want to give you an illustration. I want you to imagine if we're in fellowship and somebody comes up to me and says, so Greg, where are you from? And I say, I'm from Jamaica. And the person says, oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? I work in immigration and I can help you to become a U.S. citizen. And then you can come and live in the United States. How, how should I feel about that? One country is not better than another. It's just another country. Sure, there are some advantages of each country and some disadvantages of each country. But suppose I'm happy in my country. In fact, do you know that sometimes when I'm traveling with my family, they're all U.S. citizens. My wife and my two children are U.S. citizens. And when I'm traveling, on occasion, an immigration officer has said to me, so why don't you get your green card? And I have to explain, well, you know what? I would be required to say that I'm intending to live in the United States and I have no intention of doing that, at least not right now. That's not in the plans. You know, so I have to try and gently let them know that I'm very satisfied in my country. Just because somebody else wants to leave their country and go to another doesn't mean I want to. 
And in the church, sometimes married people tend to assume that every single person wants to leave their single status. Suppose I told you that there are some singles that are happy being single. They prefer being single. They have accepted that part of life and they are happy and blessed and satisfied and they are living life to the full. In fact, Jesus did say there are some people who would choose to live in the single status life. And, with, and those who can do that should accept it. We shouldn't just assume that everybody wants to leave their status to go into a different area, just like nobody should assume that I want to leave my country to live in another country. The singles do not need pity. They, are, they have life to the full. Their boundary lines have fallen for them in pleasant places. Right, singles? Amen. Singles ought to, can, and many have found joy in their walk with God to the point where they celebrate their singleness. I read just recently about a woman who married herself. Now, that's not a recommendation, but it does help you to understand the sentiment. Weddings ought to be celebrated. As I told you, we just had a wedding in Jamaica and we are so delighted. The whole Caribbean is delighted that Joseph and Kish got married and it was a celebration. But if you are single, you ought to celebrate equally as much when you are freed from the idea that somehow you've been robbed of something that others have. When you realize that you have all that you need as you sit in front of Jesus, you ought to celebrate. It ought to be a big celebration when you come to that understanding. And if you're married, you must find your joy in Christ first because your spouse is not going to bring you to that joy. Only Jesus can. Jesus is thrilling. He's fulfilling. And he has come to give you life to the full. So find your joy in Christ, no matter what status you have. I would like all the single people who want to get married to find a spouse. But more than that, I want everybody to be able to have the joy that Mary felt as she was sitting at Jesus' feet. Because Jesus has come to give every single one of us life to the full. This joy we can all have because Jesus gave us this life to the full. Or at least the opportunity to be able to have it. If you're not a Christian, you're missing out on the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to indeed have life to the full. You're not going to find it in money. You're not going to find it in a, a person. You're not going to find it in a nice car or a home. You're going to find your joy in Christ. You can learn to be satisfied in your status. No matter where you live, no matter if you're married or single, you can have life to the full. So in conclusion, brothers and sisters and friends, today we saw two sisters entertaining Jesus at their home. They saw the world through two different lenses and it created an argument. But Jesus had an answer for Martha and Jesus has answers for you. In case you're bothered and you're wondering what's up with life, how is life so challenging? I want you to go and ask Jesus your questions. You must engage with Jesus to be able to get answers. People grow when they spend time with Jesus. People who don't spend time with Jesus are going to grow apart. People who don't grow together grow apart, including married couples. 
So be intentional about, about growing together with your spouse in Christ. Be satisfied with your status because Jesus has come to give every single person life to the full. If you are Bayesian or Jamaican or Trinidadian or Tobagonian or American or single or married, Jesus has come to give you life to the full. Let us all live life to the full and let us go to Jesus for the answer. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you are visiting, I'd love for you to contact the church leader. If you are watching it on the computer now, there is a link for you in the description section for you to be able to click on and make your needs known. We would love to be able to get you with Jesus, get you at his feet and understand the wisdom that could be yours. Thanks so much for coming and being with us today. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 